September 5th, 2016, three years ago, I had been in pain, pain that left me thinking and feeling like I had no hope left, that my life meant nothing, that my dreams meant nothing, that I meant nothing. Years of ignoring so many emotional wounds had finally caught up to me. September 5th, 2016, three years ago, I tried to take my life. I woke up two days later intubated in the hospital. It was my choice to do what I did. It was not my choice to survive what I did. But I did. I did survive. And everything since then, my healing, my growth, my living, it has been my choice. Let's get checked. Everything changes. Get ready, it's time for the Sheck Check Podcast. Inspiring to normalize the way we talk about the way we think, feel, and behave. With your host, Erez Sheck. So after I had been stabilized, I was given the okay to leave the hospital. However, home was not where I was going. I was being involuntarily committed to the John Muir Behavioral Health Center in Concord, California. My stay at the John Muir Behavioral Health Center is essentially how I was inspired to do what I am doing now. Now, I would really love to say that it was the care I received from the staff and the facility that formed that inspiration but it was actually the lack of care from the staff and the facility. Now, do not worry, this is not going to be like a vindictive bitch session. This is me telling my story, and I am perfectly aware that we all have different experiences, and different experiences exist, and other people who have been hospitalized have had incredible, life-changing care and stays. I did too, but it wasn't the staff or the facility. It was the other patients who created that for me. When I first got to the inpatient facility, I met with a social worker and an on-staff psychiatrist. I got very lucky because the psychiatrist agreed to speak with my regular psychiatrist while getting medication reintroduced into my system during my stay there. My days there were filled with doing laps around the hallways. There were no therapy sessions, there were no schedules, there were no group sessions. We basically had the option to sit in color, read magazines, walk in laps, watch one channel of shows on the TV in the common area, and about once a day we would get to go outside for a half hour, which we would only learn about from the staff because there were no clocks on the walls for us to know. Or, of course, we could lie in our beds, the rubber mattresses with no sheets. Now, when I look at the staff, I kind of group them in two separate categories. There were either the people who worked in the system for too long and were basically tapped out of energy and compassion and, well, care, which I actually thought was both sad and funny because we used the words health care together. Or... The other grouping were brand spanking new people that didn't really know what they were doing. The staff basically spent most of their time talking and joking amongst themselves. More time doing that than engaging with us. The first time I got to eat breakfast was in the common room. Now, I was only allowed a bowl of cereal and orange juice because I hadn't met with an actual doctor yet to give me a meal plan. I sat down at a table by myself, and this young girl came and sat across from me. She had this long black hair, and it was down and partially covering her face. And I remember thinking, oh, snap. It that That is the girl from The Ring. That is the girl from The Ring. You know the movie where that pale-skinned, long, black-haired girl comes, like, out of the TV at you? And, like, yeah. I, I kept my head down at first. I look up, and she's staring at me. There was this awkward, brief moment. And then she said to me, 
You have kind eyes. I'm not really sure what possessed me to keep looking at her in that moment, but I did, and I said thank you. I took that moment, and I actually looked into her eyes, and I just saw sadness. On some level, I realized that that I have no idea who she is, and I have no idea why she's here, but, but her and I were both in pain, clearly. I started noticing how staff talked down to her, and then I started noticing how staff was talking down to most of the patients. But to see that, to witness it in a healthcare facility, it was harsh. The days felt long, the space felt confining, and as the days passed, walking around in circles of those circled hallways, nothing to do except walk and think, walk and think, walk and think. People were being released, newbies were coming in, and actually one of them, one of them was a 19-year-old trans girl. So she was pre-op, but had almost fully transitioned hormones, etc. I actually would not have known that at one point she used to be a boy. I watched in horror and frustration as she tried to fight the system because she was actually forced to share a room with a man. The staff would not allow her to room with another female. And that was something that was never resolved the whole time I was there and the whole time she was there. She and I connected, though. We started talking. We started walking the halls together. We started singing together in the halls. We started visiting other people's rooms and started talking with them. It's almost like we were forming our own group therapies throughout the day. Granted, with no therapist, but it was it was actually when I saw the value of sharing our stories with each other. None of us were there for the exact same reason. There were bits and parts we could identify with, but we found those connecting pieces. We found unity in our diversity. We found community, and there was power in it because because it made us feel less alone. In a place that is supposed to promote care and bring health, we found that care in each other, and with that comes health. I was able to see that there was not only healing in feeling heard, but being a part of allowing others to be heard. To have a conversation, not just a monologue, which I realize is ironic as I am essentially giving a monologue at the moment. What I didn't know is that would become a core part of how the Shek Check came to be what it is right now. Not just a sharing of my experiences, but Allowing these conversations, these dialogues to exist, to share together, to explore together, to educate together, to inform together. Honestly, it is those people that kept me sane in that place. Because even though the staff wasn't listening, I was able to see that others would. More days passed, and I was told by the psychiatrist and the social worker that I would be let out the next day. There was this new calmness, of course. But I did actually feel hopeful. And I wasn't sure why. You know, at the time, I wasn't sure what had began to shift. But I was like, okay, okay, I am going to attempt to do this living thing again. Because I can come away from this. I can heal. I can strengthen. I can actually want to live again. The next day came and that psychiatrist was not there. That social worker was not there. There was a different psychiatrist that we would all be meeting with. We literally stood in a line in the common room waiting to be called into this tiny little room. I was called in and the new psychiatrist referred to me as Ezra. Yeah. And I corrected him, but I, I guess he didn't, I guess he didn't hear me because he just continued these meds that we just put you on. They're not right for you. He wanted to switch me to something else. He just met me. I was barely in there a minute. A minute had barely passed between the last person and me. I told him that the previous psychiatrist was in touch with my outside psychiatrist and that they had created a plan for me and that I would prefer him to speak to my outside psychiatrist before changing meds. He, he was not a fan of that. He was not a fan of me saying that. 
He then said, if I don't say yes to the change in meds, that I will not be released. So one thing I've learned living with bipolar disorder and all the doctors I've seen before I was diagnosed 18 years ago and after I was diagnosed, of course, was to never trust a doctor, nurse, or therapist who makes a decision within the first five minutes of meeting you. That you always have a choice when it comes to your life. That you always have a choice to fight for you. And then, of course, you will have the choice to face whatever that means. And in that moment, I decided to fight for me. So I said again, please speak to my psychiatrist to consult on the change, please. He said no. I did not get out for two more days until the other psychiatrist and the social worker were back in the facility. In those two days, I was pissed. I was angry. I was sad. I was frustrated. I felt that stuck feeling again. I felt unheard. See, I've learned that my anxiety often presents as a flood of those emotions. I've also learned that something that will often trigger that anxiety and that response for me is feeling powerless not feeling heard, not feeling respected, feeling talked down to, feeling minimized in some way, feeling like my words don't matter, and that means I don't matter, not feeling like the individual I am, that each of us are, which to be honest were formed throughout my life in a lot of relationships, friend relationships, romantic relationships, familial relationships, and of course, the relationship I have with myself. All of that is what I felt. And who helped me in those two days? Who helped me gain perspective? Who made me feel safe again? It was the other patients in that facility. So yes, I got out. And as I started exploring myself, I explored my voice as I started the Shack Check on YouTube. I explored other voices in that process, forming my own communities on social media, forming the podcast last year so others could share their experiences, so we could have these conversations, so others can witness them and be part of them. You know, people will ask me, do you still talk with the other patients in the hospital? And I actually don't. And it wasn't like, you know, oh God, I never want to see them again. It's just how it happened, how it came to be. And it's part of one of the many things I've learned, that nothing in this world is fixed and that everything serves a purpose still. Communities we form are not fixed. Groups we form are not fixed. Relationships are not fixed. The only thing fixed in this life is the body I live in. And even this body, even this body that is filled with emotions, thoughts, and beliefs of myself, those in themselves have more ability to be fluid and not fixed. It's actually my need to hold on to things that brought me such pain, that made me feel stuck. The feelings I pushed aside or covered up with other things, which by the way is actually... Just holding on to the feelings, the ways I consciously and subconsciously held on to events and dynamics, the ways they just kept replaying in my thoughts and my actions, in my relationships with others and in my relationship with myself. Those were all the ways and things that just kept me circling, circling in my life, stuck in myself, until it reached a point of such pain, such hurt, that I just wanted to end my life. Now, is any of that insight, that growth, that healing, something I realized right there on the spot in any of those spots? No, because insight, growth, and healing don't come in any given moment. They take time. They take work to be able to see things you weren't seeing before, to decloud something you are going through, to gain some clarity, the choice to start stripping that mask off and look at yourself as you are. We will say that healing is not linear, and it's not. It's also not immediate. 
I can look back with regret at where I was and what I did three years ago. Or I can look back with some humility, accept that it was part of my journey. And when I do that, when I allow that time and I give myself space, in that space, I give myself the chance to grow and I give myself the chance to heal because I am still healing from everything we all are. And I am still growing from everything we all are. It's not an easy choice to make to face everything you are and everything you have been and everything you are feeling and to do something with it. Like I said, I did not choose to survive that day, but I am so grateful I did. I'm grateful because now I'm able to make choices that allow me to do more than just survive. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. And thank you. Thank you for taking part of my journey with me. Please keep taking care of yourself. It does go out to the rest of the world. And it is certainly how we take care of others as well. Until next time, Sheck Check out. Thank you so much for listening to the Sheck Check podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever you listen to for your favorite podcast. All linked up on our website, www.thesheckcheck.com. If you are picking up what we are laying down and want to help spread the word and live by example, leave a review and share with friends. Until next time, check yourself before you wreck yourself. 